Okay, and we are live. So, hello, Ash, and welcome to my podcast interview talk live show thing that I haven't thought of a name for yet. So, <laughs> to start off, would you like to give a little sort of background about who you are, what you do, so that people watching kind of understand? Um, right, so my name is Ash. I am the marketing lead at a designer marketing agency called Press Creative. Uh, we're based out of the jewelry quarter in. Birmingham obviously at the moment we're in lockdown so not talking to you from the office but talking from the conventional home office um, yeah so uh, I've been in marketing for the past five years really uh, I've been working in nightclubs very exclusively prior to lockdown uh, running events doing the marketing for the venues um, I used to work for the one of the largest nightlife operators in the UK. Um, and then after that, I decided it's time to branch out and partnered up with um, a very close friend of mine, uh, Tom, who is uh, the founder of Press Creative. And uh, together we're running this marketing agency now. Um, it's it's funny actually our first client was an international client and we're kind of working backwards from international to local at the moment just kind of the opposite way that you really want to go well if you, I mean, it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you get it done so uh, so you sort Absolutely, of said yeah. you know you sort of sorry it's all about the journey oh yeah exactly as long as you get there um the actual means of getting there, I don't think, matter as much. So you said that you kind of started off, you know, exclusively working with like nightclubs and venues and events. What made you want to, or what made you make the shift from working exclusively or almost exclusively with nightclubs and events and like promo like that to working with a wider variety of different companies and businesses and brands? COVID. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Nice and simple answer to that one. Unfortunately, uh, due to COVID, a lot of the projects and plans that I did have in place for 2020 have now taken a back seat. Um, it's just something that we, I didn't see happening. I didn't see it coming. Uh, unfortunately, neither did the rest of the world. We're all in a very shitty boat together. So um, it, it was just a matter of do I sell my ass? Do I wait for uh, life to go back to normal or do i do something about it and being the hyperactive adhd kid i was like yeah i need to do something about this and um i got up and that's how that's how we cracked on with press creative um it was either a case of sit on my ass and chill or get up and do something yeah so you know like you said like you run a lot of businesses you can't really predict something like COVID coming. How do you think now that COVID has happened, now that you can kind of see something like this happening because it's happened, do you think that's kind of changed how you prepare for these things or like has it permanently changed the kind of businesses you're going to work with? Or once COVID kind of sort of finishes as such, are you going to go back to what you was doing before and just keep the mind on edge? It's an interesting question. Matt. Um, I don't think it's changed much for me personally because um, I've, 
the type of person that I am, I've got spreadsheets for absolutely everything. I've got spreadsheets for my spreadsheets to keep everything organized. Um, the way that I've, I've launched a few businesses in the past, the way that I launched them, I like to make sure that absolutely everything is accounted for, um, all the costs are accounted for, all the income is accounted for, and there is nothing that I can look at and be surprised by. Um, and, you know, l luckily, luckily, uh, during lockdown, uh, when it first happened back in March, um, me and a couple of my close friends uh, back where I used to live, um, we launched a company, we launched a source company. And uh, that's really weird because I had no background in food, I had no background in condiments as a niche um, but we managed to do it and it was using basic marketing principles to kind of break into the market and um, we managed to create quite a decent following considering we put absolutely no money into it whatsoever um, except from actually making the sources uh, no other money went into the marketing um, we made the logo ourselves like um, my business partner actually hand drew the logo and then I whacked it into Illustrator and created a vector for it. And then um, my other business partner was actually doing all the videos that we were doing to try and market this. Um, and the idea behind it really came from a place of, right, let's do something that no one else has done before. And that's where CBD Source Co was founded. Um, where we're creating these incredible tasting sources uh, infused with CBD, which has a variety of medical properties. But um, generally speaking, it's it's just a really nice tasting source. So uh, why specifically sources? Um, sorry, what's that? Why specifically sources? You know, like I know you kind of said like something. No you idea. Do it. No idea. Just wanted to. No do idea. It. Because I went online and I had a look and absolutely no one else in the world was doing it. Mm -hmm. And I was the first person to do it. So why the hell not? But it definitely sounds and, intriguing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, you know, like every now and then I believe absolutely every single person in this world is going to have an idea, a money-making idea. And it's up to you whether you act on that idea or not. And I truly believe that this is one of those ideas. Unfortunately, there's a lot of regulations when it comes to um, CBD and food and novelty foods. And that's the category that unfortunately it falls under. Um, and it would have been a very costly uh, venture if I carried this on past March 2021. Okay. Um, that's when new regulations come in for novelty foods. So, um, yeah, it, it, at the time, it seemed like the most perfect idea. Uh, we put all the plans in motion. We created the audience for it. Um, like I was saying, my, my uh, other business partner was creating uh, videos for it, and these were cooking videos. Uh, we took advantage of TikTok uh, when it was just sort of rise of TikTok and start of lockdown. Um, we basically tried to push that as far as we possibly could. Uh, we built a Facebook audience around it using a lot of Facebook groups, relevant Facebook groups. Um, we 
we basically built it up from scratch for absolutely no money whatsoever. And despite CBD source code currently laying stagnant, um, I personally learned a lot about marketing using CBD source code. And it's one of those difficult things that uh, when you start a business, you don't want to immediately advertise it because you want to see if there is an audience for it. You don't want to waste your money to see where it's going to go. You want to see, okay, this is profitable before I do anything with it. And it became so good organically that we didn't need to put money into it. And that's, that's where we were at before we decided we need to lay it down for a bit and let's see where we're going mm -hmm. uh, in uh, 2021. So obviously you've kind of said that for right now, this has kind of been put down, put to one side. When you've kind of got, you know, like once you kind of know where you're standing with the regulations next year, when you've kind of maybe got some more money coming in that you could put into it, more time free that you could commit to it, are you then hoping to pick that back up? Um, ideally, yes. I think the most difficult thing is that I'm lazy. I am highly organized, but I'm very lazy. Uh, I know it's a paradox. Unfortunately, um, when it comes to when it comes to certain things, if I don't want to do it, I cannot break past that barrier. Like I'll do it, but I'll hate absolutely every second of it, and then I'll dislike it even more, and then eventually we'll get to a point where I just don't want to do it. And there's nothing that there is no amount of money that could make me want to do it, despite how successful it might be. And one thing that I don't like doing is cooking. And uh, as a byproduct of that, I don't like making condiments. Mm -hmm. So uh, when, you know, we, the way the business was structured was uh, all three of us had our roles uh, when we all lived together. But then when we stopped living together and we all moved to different places, uh, towards the middle of lockdown, the first lockdown, um, it just kind of, you know, sh shit hit the fan. We realized, okay, we can't do this when all three of us are in different places and, you know, it just didn't work out. I went and bought all the ingredients. I created um, a few samples, um, set these out as well. Unfortunately, I may or may not have fucked up the recipe. Uh, I'll put my hand up and say I probably did, maybe about 10% sure that I did. Um, anyway, so then I kind of left a couple for myself so I could leave them in the fridge for a couple of days and go back to it. When I did go back to it, I realized I probably shouldn't have sent out that batch. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm not the source maker. So the other business partner was the source maker. So um, yeah, it's, you, you gotta know your strengths and weaknesses in a business and that was definitely not my strength. So uh, we kind of had to take a little break from it. Um, it's not really something that you can do from afar. So to go back to your question, yes, eventually when I do have uh, enough money to hire a chef to actually make the sauces, um, to follow the recipe that my business partner created, but also to ultimately actually do the job rather than you know me having to follow a recipe which brings me to another point i do not like instructions i like to just go and do my own thing figure it out unfortunately that means that i make a lot of mistakes along the way but um yeah it's it's how i learn it's how i 
how I develop new ideas. Um, with with CBD source code, eventually, yes, I would like to bring it back and I would like to do something with it. Uh, given the new regulations in March, um, I will need a little bit more than we needed when we first started the company, maybe upwards of 10, 15K for the testing and everything that needs to be done in the labs to make sure that the source is okay to actually go out to people. Um, but, you know, prior to March 2021, uh, you can you could do that yourself. But after 2021, March 2021, uh, you do need it to be regulated. Uh, they are bringing in uh, new regulations. So uh, despite the very average amount of CBD that would go into any product, um, they do want it to be tested and they want it to be uh, proven not to be uh, effective, despite it not actually being in, you know, there's lots of tests and case studies done in America. Unfortunately, you cannot use American test studies in Europe. So, uh, yeah, just hurdles, you know, hurdles, but not permanent hurdles. And I think, um, especially now with the current state of the world, a lot of people are using CBD. And I think um, it has some value to it that could come back later on in the world. Yeah, hundred percent. I would. Def I'm definitely seeing a huge shift to more hemp CBD products. Like um, my girlfriend runs a like he, she's a body shop, a home consultant, and there's so many body shop products now that are CBD or hemp. So there's like you know that's just skincare, um, and then obviously like say you've got foods, you've got I know you've got like CBD butter. I think some companies do. So there's, there's loads of great stuff. Um, it's a pain in the ass with the regulations, but I suppose yeah. they're necessary, aren't they, to ensure some sort of quality. Um, yeah, I, I suppose that's one of the kind of the big benefits of having teams as well. Going back to your point about kind of having to do things you don't like, having to do things that maybe aren't your, your strength. That's one of the benefits of being able to pay teams or having a business partner, because if you're doing it on your own, like I've found you have to do things that you hate to make it successful you have to spend time doing yeah. things that maybe aren't your strengths. Um, and at the end of the day, you can be pretty good at a lot of things, but you can't be a master at a lot of things. Whereas if you're paying a team or have a business partner, they can be a master at some things, you can be a master at others, and then you can kind of achieve that global mastery throughout your business that kind of makes your business great, basically. 100%, 100%. And that's, that's the way um, our marketing agency is uh, structures so I lead the marketing side of it and Tom my business partner leads the creative side of it and uh, we both have our teams that we confer with and then bottom line it comes down to myself and Tom to decide how we want to move the project forward and then we delegate workload and honestly it, may, it makes life so much easier now uh, we are at the start of our journey with press creative so we don't have a huge team but it still helps to be able to get more opinions and you know thoughts on stuff and i know that i've come to yourself in the past for copywriting because uh it helps to get a fresh pair of eyes on any project really mm -hmm. so just to get an idea of structure then you've obviously got you and tom are like the founders you're the marketing guy he's the creative guy and then you each have teams of a couple of people under you 
Yeah, so Tom's got two junior designers with him and I've got one marketing executive. Uh, and what we're doing is, at the moment, I'm doing the structure marketing for the websites and everything else that we create. And the marketing executive handles the social media aspect of it. And uh, same with Tom. Tom handles the structure of the websites and the web development. And uh, beneath him, his junior designers do social media content for clients and uh, just generic tidbits that we need for the websites, uh, generic tidbits that we need for clients. Stuff that is very time consuming, for instance, like, you know, these carousel posts, they're very fucking time consuming. And <laughs> it's not something that either of us want Tom to spend a lot of time on. Yeah. So it needs to be someone that can sit there and really think about it and put their creativity into it. And, you know, at, at that exact time, we, we've got another project that needs to be done by tomorrow, yeah. you know, which Tom needs to take the lead on because he's more experienced and he's quicker and I need to lead the marketing and the SEO on that because there's simply too much going on there, you know? I, I mean, I completely agree with that. Like, obviously, right now in my business, I'm doing everything, but I don't obviously have a business partner. I don't have teams, and you're completely right. Making things like carousels is such a pain in the ass when I know that I need to be doing other stuff, but you need to do that as well. Um, so I've got a couple of questions around kind of building those teams then and running those teams. So obviously, like you say, you've got you know, four people now, uh, two each, and then how did you kind of go about finding the right people for those roles and kind of filling those roles three people sorry <laughs> um to, to be completely honest i've always found it very difficult and i know tom has as well to bring someone on that can push your your vision and understand your vision and be able to work alongside that vision so it's very important to find someone for instance alex who is my marketing assistant he is he's fantastic you know he he understands what needs to be done he understands uh he understands the role and more so he's eager to learn and he's eager to sit there and listen to the conversations that Tom and I are having and the conversations that we're having with clients as well. And it's also very important to give someone who's fresh and someone who's full of ideas the chance to actually grow, the chance to flap their wings and fly, you know? You don't wanna you don't wanna clip their wings, which is something that personally I witnessed a lot and it, I've experienced this as well working for um, other people where uh, my wings were clipped and I was told you know to settle down and simmer down and it's 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 just mind-blowing to think right there's this really eager 20 something year old lad who is willing to put his soul into his work and he you know he just needs that little bit of freedom and that little bit of trust to be able to go and do this and you're just saying no we're doing it my way you know so it's it's important to find people that are creative and people that are willing and eager to learn and they want to they want to put their all into it and then it's even more important for me as the person that's hiring them to say go do your thing fly let me see how you do right you've got an idea you want to put it down sound go do it go do it let's see your results and then you know after we see the results then we can talk about it right this worked 
fantastic. How can we roll this out to X, Y, and Z client? Or inversely, no, this didn't work. How can we make this work? How can we repackage this to make it work? How can we repackage this uh, this failure into a success story? You know, and it's about taking the problem that we're very much aware of or unaware of and turning it into a solution. Okay. And that's 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 very important because, uh, to be completely honest, I've had. A few bad bosses and I've had a few good bosses in the past and the good bosses have really given me the room to grow they've given me the room to go and do whatever I wanted to do and they're the ones that have taught me the most they're the ones that have you know taken me under their wings and you know taught me things that I wouldn't have learned from anyone else just doing my job just keeping my head down and like I'll, I'll forever be grateful to those people and they know who they are if they're listening. I don't know if they will be, but they will know who they are. And I, I, I honestly can't imagine where I would be without being given that freedom to grow, that freedom to lead, and that freedom to honestly just be myself. And, you know, I know it's so cliche and everyone says, oh, yeah, just go be yourself, be yourself. No one is better at being you than you. Shut up. But it's it's very true. It's very true. And having having that freedom to, you know, go and grow and really accelerate down that path, you know, it, it gives you a sense of freedom and it makes you so much more productive than a role that is so limited and it says, right, cool. Here's your job. Do your job. Then go home. Yeah. You know, when, whenever I'm working with clients, like I, we try to keep a structure, obviously, uh, for the sake of our mental health. Um, we've spoken about this on countless occasions before where it's so important to have a structure. And um, the fact of the matter is, the structure is an outline of how your day should go. But if I'm really into something and I'm really dying to get something done that structure goes out the window my passion takes over and if i'm working with a client if i'm working for myself if i'm working for whatever then my passion kicks in that work is going to be phenomenal you know and it doesn't matter how long it takes i want this to be the best thing i've ever produced because i'm passionate about it and that's a lot of the passion projects that we do with press creative um there's a few clients that we work with that we have labeled as passion clients. Um, not to say that other clients don't get the same service, but unfortunately, um, whether you're lying to yourself or not, you, every single business has their passion clients and the people that they really like and uh, everyone else. <laughs> yeah, that makes um, sense. And, you know, what... It's just one of those things, you know, you can lie about it and say, no, we treat everyone equally. But the fact of the matter is you don't, don't no. you know, I've worked in enough businesses, I've integrated with enough companies and clients to know that that's not how it works. You know, there are preferred clients. Um, and it's not really a money thing either. It's not really a money thing. It's about the attitude. It's about how well we can mesh together. What's that word? Synergy. Synergy. That's a word that I hate. <laughs> <laughs> corporate jargon let's put a pin in this and come back later yeah, 
can't stand it, honestly. So, yeah, no, to touch on a few points that you kind of mentioned then, like having teams around you kind of sounds like a two-way street. So they give you passion and, you know, the energy to sort of execute your vision and in return you give them trust and freedom is basically how that works. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that sounds obviously, I mean, it sounds ideal if I was a team member or obviously, you know, a boss because you want people around you that you can trust to do what you need them to do. So that makes sense. Um, and I definitely like the idea of not just finding people who want to come in, clock in there, eight hours, ten hours, however much a day, and then go home. So, uh, yeah, no, that, that all sounds obviously really good. Uh, and another thing that you kind of touched on was something that I've now forgotten. Um, <laughs> so you ba- Oh, yeah, so you, you basically kind of touched on your... You've obviously got some clients that you're kind of more passionate about, and you've got some clients that you kind of, you're not so passionate about. I think that's true of everything. Like, you know, you've got friends that are kind of your better friends. You I didn't know. say that, by the way. I, I didn't say no, I no, wasn't no. passionate about them. No, Just um, not as there are some that you're yeah. very are, passionate about. There are some that, yeah, there are some you're obviously very passionate about. Others that... Just, just no, 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 no. There's no others. No. We're, we're passionate about everyone. Just some that we're more passionate. You're some more passionate. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I think that that's true for everything, though. Like, you've got friends that you are better friends with, or relationships that you are stronger with than others. It's just how it is, isn't it? Like, you can't realistically maintain every single friendship, every single relationship, every single client to the same level. It's just not kind of plausible. Um, and another thing that you kind of touched on as well is, basically, it's kind of with structuring your day you kind of said that some of like your work you know you end up you have a schedule but some of your work you get so passionate about that you just go you know throw your schedule out the window and basically just you know embrace the passion Um, yeah and that's something i've kind of found that's helped recently like as long as i get three big things i schedule three big things i need to get done that day but outside of that if i have to throw and move the rest of it to the next day or the next day or the next day that's fine yeah because then if i want to be passionate about a certain thing like you've kind of said you can then kind of spend the whole day doing that if you want to um, and it's kind of the freedom that being an entrepreneur is about it's really a double-edged sword isn't it because um if you get really passionate about something and you crack on with it and then you know you kind of drop off with the rest of your work then it doesn't it doesn't balance out and that's where you get the uh the imbalance in your passionate work and the stuff that you're good at versus the stuff that you're getting paid for and you know it's it's very important to make sure it, we've discussed this before with the structures as well to make sure that you stick to your structure um, and you use it as a guideline when you are getting a little bit too off track then you can reel yourself in and rein yourself in and say right cool so i've spent this amount of time on this project when really I should have spent a lot less. So uh, now I need to restructure my following day to make up for this or uh, on and on and on. But really and truly, you don't ever want to leave yourself with um, with any sort of time period where you're doing catching up on yesterday's work. Mm-hmm. So um, I know that yourself, for instance, you've got a specific time slots during your day that you don't schedule anything in for because you've got to work other stuff you know so is it true that you've got like um uh, an hour or two during the day where you know that you have to deal with certain priorities of work Mm -hmm. and then you basically crack on with those you know if you've got any or i don't know how you handle it but personally i've got those um 
there's certain time periods during the day where I know that, for instance, from uh, from the end of this conversation, I will be getting my lunch, and then uh, during my lunch, I'll I'll be chilling, doing nothing, working on just eating and recuperating, and then after that, I've got about an hour and a half where I've not scheduled anything in. Uh, I'm probably going to finish off my um, my client work that I need to do, and then uh, after that, then I've got another hour where I've got scheduled for other stuff that I need to do. You know, like uh, social media, um, any client leads that I need to chase up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you try to structure it in a way where um, you know you make sure that your inbox is always empty because you are always checking your email at that time. There's no point a client emailing you today and you replying tomorrow because it's not in your structure. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's good to have the structure and to keep up to it, but you never want to really catch up on yesterday's work. You always want to be ahead of the curve. And having a structure like yours where, you know, you've got the hour or two slots where you can do other other stuff but still stick to your structure is so important. I agree. Like, yeah, like to be more a bit more specific about my structure, I first off I use the Eisenhower matrix. If you know what that is, um, so everyone, everyone watching, and obviously you, then uh, basically it's where you split up your work into important and urgent, important and not urgent, not urgent and like urgent and not important, and not urgent and not important. And then I start the day with the um, the important and not urgent, which is like the self development stuff. Then I do big blocks of the important and urgent stuff, so like content creation, client work, client acquisition, all this sort of stuff, uh, and then finish yeah. the day with the urgent but not important, which is then the admin stuff. So you know it needs doing, but it's if you do if you do it wrong, you do it slow or you're tired, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And then the not important and not urgent, you just bin off until it becomes urgent or important. Um, and in terms of the blocks, uh, yeah, every day I leave a few, at least a few hours free, and especially like on weekends, if I need to basically fill in those blocks with work that either comes up last minute, um, or work that I just sort of think of, like, oh yeah, I could definitely get this done while I've got this hour, then like that gives me the freedom to choose. And if I don't have anything, I then have that hour to you know, go for a walk, or exercise for a bit, or just chill, um, let my mind go blank, write, like to um, like write notes or write a journal that kind of helps during that time just keep your mind clear like you say you know do nothing don't think about work don't talk about work just just chill and then at like which i've found at the end of those blocks of doing nothing that's when you get your inspiration like if i'm sitting there trying to think of an idea i'll struggle but if i then sit there doing nothing i then have all these amazing ideas like when i go to bed i'm trying to sleep i'm thinking of nothing and then all of a sudden it's I've just had 50 ideas about this thing I've been trying to think of all day. Um, <laughs> like there's been times where I've stayed up for an extra hour with just like writing down notes and typing up shit that I think of, which isn't great, but you know, yeah. at least the inspiration comes. So. No, that's, that's just the beauty of creativity, isn't it? Like you don't know when creativity is going to hit. I, I have this thing called the shower phenomena where whenever I'm in the shower, I will have yeah. an idea and then... Uh, what I've taken to doing is actually leaving my phone to uh, voice record whenever I'm in the shower. Now, this is, this is weird. I know it's weird, right? I know it sounds weird, but I leave it there. And then suddenly, because this happens way too often, this used to happen a lot where I would have these ideas. And then by the time I'm out of the shower, by the time like, I've got the towel wrapped around me, gone. Yeah. I can't remember it anymore. 
that's my ADHD kicking in again. Fuck, <laughs> right. Let's let's go let's go fly a kite, right? But um, so recording these voice notes and then going back through it uh, whenever, you know, nine times out of 10, I don't need to go back through it. But when I do need to, and I do remember something and I'm like, oh fuck, right, here we go. Let's, let's play this back. Let's see what it was I was talking about. And like, I'll talk to my phone and like it's recording my voice and then I'll go back and I'll be like, right, that was a terrible idea. Yeah. But now that I'm out of the shower, I can think about it a bit more. You're not. Maybe I can repackage this, yeah. you know. And um, to to be completely honest, it's it's helping it's helping develop a sort of mind frame where that is my creativity time, and it's, it usually comes just after I've exercised. So my body is ready, my brain is awake, it's ready to pound that pound out the ideas before I sit at my desk and I start working on something or before I start getting ready for my daily commute. And it's just one of those things, you know, like I always like to say, keep a notepad with you wherever you go. And I've literally always got mine next to me, um, regardless of where I am. Uh, it's either in my bag or in my pocket or something. And if I don't have that, then I've got notes on my phone. Um, but the it's, it's just so important to be able to jot down your ideas as you're having them yeah. because when they're in their rawest form that's when they've got the most potential when you start thinking about it that's when you start putting your own limitations on your ideas mm-hmm. like that's oh right. i can't do this i can't make this certain idea come true because of my limitations and my skill like a lot of times i'll think right i can't personally go do something because i don't have this skill set and then i remember other people have this skill set other people can do this. I just need to, I just need to structure it in a way to be able to accommodate that. So uh, yeah, make sure you record the next time you jump in the shower. Just leave your phone to record a voice note. It's fantastic. Yeah, hundred percent. I also find like, like I like voice notes way more than I do messaging or writing like actual text notes. Um, and I find that when I like, have a voice note, if I have an idea, I make a voice note, it helps me structure it in my mind more clearly. So it's not just a million random ideas thrown into one. It's actually, this is an idea, this is an idea, this is an idea, and this is how it could work. Uh, and also, once I make a voice note, I rarely need to go back to it. Like, for whatever reason, me making that voice note just helps me remember it and ingrains it without the need to actually go back to it. So I, just, I probably have a list of about 40 voice notes in the last like month, tops. Um, but I, I won't go back to because I remember all 40 of them because I've made the voice notes so it makes the voice <laughs> notes kind of obsolete but at the same time if I didn't have them I've forgotten it so yeah it's, I think it comes back to that repetition doesn't it uh, yeah. memory free repetition mm-hmm. 100% yeah. 100% it's ways to remember something if we experience it in different like formats different mediums um, okay yeah. so one thing that you've sort of t- touched on a lot and obviously something we've talked about a lot is structuring your day structuring your time and sort of you know b- building those structures up so it makes your life easier makes you know so you know what you've got to do and you don't burn out as much yeah um, i'm kind of curious and in more detail kind of how do you structure your day like i know you said you kind of if you get passionate you you know you just take the time to embrace that passion but outside of that how do you structure your day to make sure you get everything done to not burn out and just basically enjoy the work that you're doing honestly like the past couple of weeks have been a 
have been a struggle um, since going into lockdown 2.0. Uh, it hit me a hell of a lot harder than lockdown one did. Well, actually, no, it didn't. That's a lie. But uh, it did hit me quite hard. Um, I'm sure it's hit a lot of other people hard as well. So a lot of others can relate to this. Um, it's it took me to a very deep and dark place. Unfortunately, it took me a little while to get out of that deep and dark place. Um, I'm kind of pushing out of it now, still struggling a little bit, but uh, we move, it's 2020. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, I think my structure for the past couple of weeks has been entirely too hectic to even call it a structure. Uh, it's been a sort of day by day wake up, battle, go to bed, start again. Um, however, prior to this and something that I will be bringing back into my life once I've pretty much managed to get this week and next week out of the way, um, and coincidentally until the end of lockdown, basically, um, it's, it's generally following a simple rule of wake up in the morning. First and foremost, I need to do something with my body, right? I need to... I need to wake up, I need to wake my body up, I need to wake my brain up, and I need to do something for myself, right? So I'll wake up, I'll either go for a run, go training, uh, jump into my garden, just skip for a few minutes, uh, do some Muay Thai training, um, and then come in, do my stretches, jump in the shower, uh, have a little shower, wash everything away, fresh mind, fresh brain, ready to seize the day, uh, grab my breakfast, um, and then I'll sit at my desk, maybe about nine o'clock, uh, start throughout my day, uh, up until about 12-ish. Um, uh, there'll be like a couple, maybe a half hour, an hour of self-development thrown in there. However, up to 12-ish, uh, it's very strictly uh, just client work that needs to get done that day. Mm -hmm. And then after that, so I'll go have my lunch and then I'll come back. After that, I've got a couple of hours where uh, I can do client lead gen, where I can catch up with the team, see what needs to do, and see if anyone's struggling anywhere, see if I can help out in any way. Um, a lot of times uh, when you're faced with a problem, you can't solve it yourself because you've spent entirely too long trying to think of a solution for your own problem. So it helps when someone new comes along and says, right, well, actually, have you tried it this way instead? And I find that Tom does that very well to me. I do that very well to Tom. It's just a great dynamic to be able to bounce around to each other. Uh, we're trying to teach that to juniors as well. Um, it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those skills that you need to develop over time to understand that, yes, you have these incredible ideas, and they are fantastic. However, sometimes you are human and you will get stuck. So uh, it's good to have like a couple of hours where we can just bounce around ideas, right? So what are you struggling with? What are you doing? What's on your structure for today? Like, are you are you okay with everything? Do you need a hand with anything? Um, and then we create a list. And once we've got that list and we know where everyone is at, um, then we crack on and we start doing all these different bits. We'll break out, everyone goes and does their own bit. Uh, if there's client work that needs to be done that someone's struggling with, that will always take priority over personal work or it will take priority over um, press creative stuff. Um, and then once that's done, then from about 3 p.m. till 5 p.m., 
that will be very strictly just work for ourselves. So structure for ourselves, client lead gen for ourselves, um, any blogging, any SEO, any, anything that needs to be done for our own company. So for those two hours, we're very strictly just working on press creative. And then uh, after that, about 5 p.m., I'll probably have my tea and then um, let that digest. A couple hours later, I'll probably go training again uh, just to you know, kind of shut down my body afterwards. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, home, shower, and get in bed, ready to, ready to watch some TV shows or Netflix or something. And then um, I've got my alarm on my phone that goes off at 10.30. It reminds me it's bedtime. Um, so my phone goes on, do not disturb. Uh, honestly, it's the best thing in the world. Um, it just stops sending me notifications. Like I suddenly realized my phone has been silent for a very long time. Oh, right. Okay, it's bedtime. Okay, right. I'll look at my phone and it says, "Yeah, it's bedtime. You're go. You're going to. You're going to sleep in six minutes. So we've turned your phone off since half an hour ago. All right, cool, Sam. Um, let's go to sleep then. Uh, and then I'll aim to get to bed about eleven, and uh, probably be asleep by about half eleven, and then start all over again day after six thirty seven a.m. Wake up and all over again. Um, that's the ideal structure. Yeah, reality. <laughs> you know, it throws hurdles and you got to mix it about. No, I understand that completely. Yeah, but uh, when it when it comes down to it, the structure isn't like that, really. Yeah. Uh, when it comes down to it, um, the structure changes a lot. So you try to keep within the organized, you know, organized little segments that you've created for yourself, but. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. Um, we'll get a call from a client. We usually like to tell clients that we need a two-week lead-up on any work that they need. So if you know that you know, you've know you got something coming up, we'll say, right, uh, cool. You, you've known about this for a few weeks. Uh, just let us know as soon as possible so we can then structure our time as well. Um, however, obviously, the world isn't all sunshine and daisies. So... We know that uh, sometimes things happen, especially during the COVID, that uh, during the COVID era, where you know, with some of our clients that run events, we know that right, okay, you don't know what's going to happen. So when Boris announced uh, lockdown, we had a lot of clients saying, right, cool, we need we need to we need to tell people that this isn't going to happen anymore, and we need to tell them that we're going to move it, shift it forward a, a few days or whatever, and uh, we need to go about it that way. So we understand that some work takes priority and you know will disrupt a structure, but we really like to keep to that very specific structure. I'm curious then, based off your kind of your structure and how you work, what where do you fall on the debate about how much you need to work to make a business successful? Are you on the kind of Bill Gates side of you have to work 16 to 18 hours every single day or your business is gonna fail? Or are you more of a, you can work 10 to 12 hours a day um, but you've got to like you know do that like focused, completely one track work. Um, I would love to have an answer for this and to be authoritative about it. However, um, the fact of the matter is I'm not that successful to be able to comment on this. I personally think that where I'm at at the moment, I am 
structured in a way where we know how our day is structured and we get on with our work and when the work is finished then we party mm-hmm. and that's that's how it works you know um there's i'm not i'm not very much a person that wants to say right cool this is a structure and this is what we stick to we're working nine to five because that is my nightmare that is an absolute nightmare for me i want to be able to you know work whenever i need to work and chill whenever i need to chill because a structure on a piece of paper or a structure on a board doesn't tell me when i'm tired it doesn't tell me when i need to eat it doesn't tell me uh, it doesn't tell me things that my body wants to do things that my brain wants to do and you know being someone that's as erratic as myself i need to have that freedom to right go and do whatever if i need to go for a fucking walk in a half hour guess what i'm doing i'm going for a walk in a half hour and uh it's it's beneficial you know working for yourself and being able to do these things but also it's a little bit detrimental to the business if you let your uh your your desires your every every desire take over so it's about having that discipline to realize right cool Maybe I don't need this walk in a half hour because I've already been for a run this morning. But if I need to, you know, go for a walk, I'll take five minutes. I'll just go stand out in the garden, or when we're at the office, I'll just go and stand out in the courtyard. So based on what you've said and kind of what I've heard from talking to other people, um, it kind of depends on what your priority is and what kind of person you are, as such. Like the Bill Gates yeah. of the world, he, you know, like I think he worked every single day for sixteen hours a day until he was 30 I think was how he did it uh, and that works for people like him but I mean I've found recently like at one point I was being very structured and strict myself like I have to work 16 hours a day I have to be working every single second of the day yeah. but now it's getting to a point where if I if I get to like 8pm let's say and I want to finish work because I know that I'm burnt out I'm now getting to a point where it's like it's okay for me to just say right I'm done with work for today I'm not going to do anything productive I'll you know just start again tomorrow start fresh uh, and I think that's kind of something that you've talked about is, you know, having the freedom to do what you want to do, but, but still having that discipline to know when it's time to work. So, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, and basically answer my question. So, sure. 100%. So, another yeah. question that kind of... And, comes you know, going off the back of what you said as well, if you don't... Sorry. No, sorry, you, go on. You're breaking up a bit. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, so going off the back of what you just said, yeah, if you're not being productive, uh, don't don't force yourself to be productive because you're just going to end up hating the project that you're working on or your passion because you're forcing yourself to doing it. And that's what we find with a lot of generic 9-to-5 jobs. People will go to their 9-to-5 job, uh, they hate their boss because their boss makes them work when their body and their soul doesn't want to work and their soul wants to chase something else. You know, and they're like, and I've been stuck in that cycle, you know. But luckily for me, um, I'm, I'm trying to change this. But I was a very nocturnal person. Um, obviously, working late nights in nightclubs that gives you a nocturnal personality. Um, but to be honest, even prior to that, when when I was studying for my GCSEs, when I was doing my A levels, when I was at uni, um, the best times for me to study were when everyone else was asleep. 
because I had no distractions whatsoever. You know, I would I would wake up at maybe 2 a.m., 1 a.m., and I would crack on through then and work, 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 work. Uh, I would go to school or go to college, and then I'd come back, and I would go right to sleep about 5 p.m. maybe, 6 p.m., and then I'd do that all over again. And that was the best structure for me, and I think, honestly, that worked really well for me getting through college, uni, and uh, it's not something that, unfortunately, you can roll out into the real life, but um, if I could, I would. I think when it comes to uh, working with international clients, it might be beneficial. You know, if you've got clients in China who only work around that time period, then you're very lucky. Mm, uh, that, I suppose... I'm going to take a note of that. I need... I need clients working in that time zone. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I suppose once you've kind of grown a little bit and got teams, you could realistically structure your business in such a way where you only work with clients that fit that time zone, and then you can structure your day. Like you said, if you want to wake up at 2 a.m. and sleep at 5 p.m., you could do that. Um, yeah. I think it's just a case of obviously building the business with that in mind and building the teams with that in mind. But I think it's definitely yeah. doable, especially if you're going to do more productive work, because everyone will benefit. Um, 100%. And obviously one of the bigger issues for that that I can foresee would obviously be meetings with like let's say your business partner Tom who doesn't fit like doesn't work on that schedule. Yeah. And you could easily schedule your meetings for the overlap. So yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. Um I'm considering moving to Thailand for a few months, um <laughs> to go to a uh, a Muay Thai camp and um I think that will be very that will be very good for our business because I'll get to I'll get to work at the times that I want to work, mm-hmm. and that will be the equal times to regular day hours for Tom here. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be a nice little nice little test to see if we can make this work. And if it but, does, you're off to Thailand for life, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't put that. I'm, it, at this point it's not unlikely mm-hmm. let's just say that sure, yeah it gives you the schedule you want and I know like obviously this is another question I kind of want to ask you about your training obviously you can go and you know, enjoy doing Muay Thai um, if it's giving you the life you want then why not like I know I know of anyway loads of entrepreneurs who have decided to move to all different countries all over the world just because it fits their schedule better um, like Jason Capital, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he moved to Puerto Rico. He now lives in Puerto Rico most of his time, just because yeah. that fit his lifestyle better, it fit you know his schedule better. So that's what he does. Uh, so then, right specifically onto the kind of the Muay Thai, like learning to fight training side of it. I, you're you're learning to obviously your training. Sorry, you you're breaking up. Sorry, the signal going. Is that better? Sorry, what's that? Yeah, go. So obviously you're training Muay Thai right now. You're learning how to fight Muay Thai. Yeah, if that's the proper yeah. way to say that. Uh, <laughs> what, what is the end goal behind that? Are you training to fight just so it's like a the discipline side of it, and so you have that skill, or is it you're hoping to do like uh, you know fight like you're hoping to go and do MMA event type fight in like in the um, The immediate goal is to compete in my first bout. Um, as soon as possible, as soon as COVID permits. Um, unfortunately, I went through a period of time, like I said, in around COVID and lockdown, where I fell into a very deep pit. 
And um, <clears throat> my friend who's a Muay Thai practitioner is a Nakamoy. They're called, um, we, we're, we're best friends. I've known him for, God, I don't know, 12, 12 15 years. Um, we've basically grown up together. He went, he very much went down the athletics route. Um, and he, he's been, he's, he's been trying to get me into this for a very long time. Um, when I was younger, I did participate in combat, combat sports in karate and judo and taekwondo. Um, but I never really found the passion for it. Um, I just found that I was naturally good at certain things and those were the things that I was naturally good at. So there was no passion in it because there was no need to try or anything. And I found other things to be interested in. At that age, I was more interested in girls. And I was more interested in money and everything else. And I let my health slip. And over the past year, over the past 18 months, really, I've let my health just drop off the edge of the cliff. Um, but since about September, I started training with uh, my mate Adam, who's a Nakamoy. And um, he's basically been pushing me and pushing me to get better and better and better. And right now I feel so much better. I feel healthier than I've ever felt before in the past 10 years. Um, and it's, it's just one of those things. And I think I would like to compete uh, as soon as possible just to see where I'm at, just so I've got a benchmark for myself. Um, I don't know how far I would want to take this. But uh, it's, it's been a crutch for me to get out of that pit mm -hmm. that I got myself into, that depression pit that I got myself into. And, you know, it's definitely helped build up my confidence way past uh, how far it dipped, you know. Um, after lockdown, after everything that happened and my entire life, my entire career that I'd spent years building just fell apart. You know, um, and with the closing of nightclubs, obviously, um, and it 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 was just uh, it was a very depressing time. And in order to get through that, I used exercise as a crutch, and it's it's been doing wonders for me. Like I used to hate getting out of bed. You know, it's it's the most difficult thing to consider even now. Like that, that oh my god, I used to, I really used to hate getting out of bed. And now I'm up and like, I'm, first thing I want to do is go for a run. After I've been for a run, like later on in the day, I might go for a second run. I, I might go do something else, you know, um, because I've started loving that. And <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, it's not COVID. Um, hopefully. Thanks, <laughs> guys. Just um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's... Um, uh, it's really helped exercise has really helped like get me out of my depression and um out, outside of that not drinking and not smoking and not doing drugs it's been it's been very effective and keeping me away from everything else mm -hmm. it's swapping out those bad hobbies and bad habits for better habits and better hobbies have you um Uh, so have you have you completely gone sober then in terms of like you know smoking drinking etc is it is 
Yeah, so um, I'm, oh God, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had a proper battle with alcohol and drugs uh, at the start of the year, even to be completely honest, for the past 18 months, maybe up to two years, I had a proper, um, very deep problem with alcohol, drugs, and just abuse of every single vice that you can imagine um, that anyone could ever have. And it got to a very low point, and at the start of lockdown, that's when I hit my rock bottom, and I decided, right, I really need to do something about this. And funnily enough, it was around my birthday, it was around my 26th birthday, so I thought, you know what? Let's 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 put this as let's put this to a side. For the past ten years I've drank, I've partied, I've done everything, but let's put this to the side and let's start doing something beneficial. So uh, I put alcohol aside, um, I started by counting the days, um, and then started by counting the weeks, and then it eventually became months, um, it eventually became six months. Um, and it nearly became seven months, but uh, Halloween struck, and I always planned on drinking on Halloween. It's not like um, I cheated myself in any way. I told myself that I was going to go sober for six months, and then I was going to drink on Halloween. Um, so the week prior to Halloween, I'm a big fan of whiskey. I know you are too. Um, the week before Halloween, I went out. I had... Um, a glass of, what did I have? Uh, Buffalo Trace, I think it was. It was the best uh, they had on shelf, um, on the rooftop that we were at anyway. Um, I had a double Buffalo Trace on the rocks, um, two ice cubes. And uh, <laughs> then that was it. That was it. I had that one drink that night. Then the following week, which was Halloween, I thought, I'm going to go out. I'm going to have my big blowout, like I said that I was going to have. I've had a rough six months. I've had a rough fucking year. Everyone has had a rough year. This is the day that I'm going to go out and drink. Mm -hmm. So I went out, I partied, I drank, um, and that was that. Then, uh, actually, no, on the Wednesday after that as well, that was just before lockdown, I had a few more drinks and partied again. Um, but... Uh, after that, uh, which is about 20 days ago, um, 21 days ago, nearly three weeks now, Wednesday today, yeah, three weeks now, um, I've been sober again. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's shown me that I'm not as reliant on alcohol and drugs than anything else that as I thought I would be. And it was just a crutch for me at that time, you know, because I hated the position that I was in. I hated... Uh, there was a lot of anger inside me you know i hated uh where i was working who i was working for uh, the people i was working with not so much like my colleagues but just generally the people that i was working with yeah. and uh, it just put me in a very dark position you know it put me in a very dark place and in that dark place i got even further using the drugs and alcohol abuse to push me deeper and deeper into this pit um but yeah, no, uh, since the first week of November, I've not had a drink again. Um, and I've been going back to training and I've been 
really stepping it up now. And honestly, I can't wait to see how the next six months go. So, I'm probably going to be drinking on my birthday. I'm not sure if I'll be drinking on New Year's Eve, but I'll probably be drinking in March again on my birthday. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. See how I feel. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think it's important to you know, understand. Just, just, to, just to go off on a tangent. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, just to go off on a tangent on it's very important to have uh, people around you to support you. Mm-hmm. And I've been very lucky to have my friends around me who supported me and, you know, Despite them drinking, they understand that I'm not drinking, and it doesn't change the dynamic at all in any way. You know, uh, I know that a lot of people have this fear of missing out, and um, I've spent many years of my life uh, pushing that as a marketing strategy: the fear of missing out, fear of missing out on an event, on a party, or whatever. And I'm kind of numb to it, I think, and the. The thing about supportive friends is, like, my group of friends, they know that, like, we'll go out. I'll, I'll have a, I'll have a juice. I'll have a coke. You know, I'll, I'll have some water. Doesn't mean that they're gonna have water. Doesn't mean that they can't drink. You know, I'm not removing myself from that, uh, from that place. You know, so I'm not missing out on anything. I'm just partying and doing what I do, and I'm still, I'm still the same person I'm still doing everything that I used to do when I was drunk and when I was high or whatever and that's that's it's just more controlled now and I understand what I'm doing and uh, I'm not blaming it on this persona that I've created called drunk ash that has no consequences and nothing to fall back on and no no one holds him accountable for anything you know it was so incredible that over the years, I managed to create this uh, persona where no one held me accountable for anything that I did when I was drunk because it was simply, oh, it's just drunk cash, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a that was a major major problem that I needed to address because I realised that you know drunk cash was this monster that gave me the freedom to do whatever I wanted to do without consequences, and that's not how people live life. That's mm-hmm. not how you live life, and I started to become more self-aware of my actions and what I was doing and luckily my friends have been supportive and they've helped me through this and they've helped me you know become more aware of myself become more aware of everything else and honestly they at no point have my friends turned around and said oh yeah Ash you're an arsehole you need to change but me noticing and wanting to change that behavior in myself has made these guys understand that I'm trying to be better and I'm trying to be better than the person that I was before Mm. and it's it's honestly it's it's like an inspiration within myself to keep going and keep getting better yes my my next question was going to basically be how do you avoid the temptation of not drinking Um, like obviously you're still quite a young guy you still go out um, and obviously, like for me, from my perspective, I'm a uni student. You know, every or most uni students drink religiously, pretty much at least every week. So how, like, I mean, my question was going to be basically, how do you avoid that temptation? But it sounds like you just have that support network of friends who understand and support you in that, rather than trying to tempt you away from it. Yeah, no, I mean, my friends at no point do they ever turn around and say, right, go on, have a drink, you'll be okay. They never do that. Um, but also 
like I remember the first time when I went to a gathering after um, my sobriety, and it was it was a lot easier than I thought. I was very quiet. I was very quiet. I wasn't as outspoken and as jolly and as loud as I usually am, and I was hyper aware of that. And then that gave me anxiety because I was super aware that I was I wasn't being the person that I am. I'm not being the life and the soul of the party. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Right. I need to go into my shell. Yeah. Um, but then as time went on and I realized, right, cool. I need to get used to this new norm. Uh, by the second party, by the third party during the summer, everything just kind of fell into place and things became easier. Mm. Um, and to be honest, it's no longer a temptation. It's not a temptation. It's a, it's a choice, yeah. and I need to I need to be strong enough to be able to push through that choice. So now and it's make more, the right. Yeah, no, it sounds like you did definitely. So it's more of like what it feels like now is a controlled choice that you make, like controlled reward almost. Like you say, I'm gonna go hard on Halloween. You go hard on Halloween. That's fine, but rather than what a lot of people experience, especially at like my age at university, is kind of feeling like you have to drink or filling the time with going out clubbing and drinking because there's nothing better to yeah. do. Like I know not so much now, but a lot of the people I used to be friends with were like that. You know, you, they would go out every or even a few times a week. Um, yeah. And not out of wanting to go out, it was more feeling like there's nothing better to do. And I think getting away from that kind of, I don't want to call it toxic, but that kind of energy is definitely so positive and it sounds like you've definitely done that and got a support network of people that not only don't encourage these things that you want to get away from but they actually support you getting away from them which is obviously a really good thing to have 100 percent, 100 percent. and you know a lot of my friends are the lives and souls of the party that's why we all get along so well that's why uh you know we we all met working in very similar environments together and uh, there's a reason for it, you know, they're all promoters, they're all outspoken, they're all, ah, you know, and um, the, the thing is with people like that, they, they have to be the center of attention. I personally have to be the center of attention. If I'm not the center of attention, then I start thinking, why am I not the center of attention? What, what's wrong with me? What's going on here? And, you know, that's, that's when at the start of, you know, at the start of the sobriety, when I was going out, people were drinking, I was a little bit like, Ooh, what's going on here? Why am I being like this? But now I've got back into the flow of things, you know, uh, this is a new norm for me. I can go and I can still be the center of attention without making a fool of myself because I'm drunk, you know, because that's what I would do. That's what personally I would do. Um, and then it would get ch chalked up to, oh, it's just drunk cash. And you know what? This actually started at uni. It's funny you say that. <laughs> uh, well, it started before uni, but it kind of expanded when I was at uni. Um, <laughs> we used to have our girl, our student girl, and they had a bar in there that used to open at 11 a.m. Uh, so on first break, uh, I would go in and... <laughs> I would order pints of Cronenberg and a double JD. And um, so 
sorry, two double JDs, and I'd drink the first double JD, I'd drink a bit of the pint, and then I'd pour the rest of the second double JD into the pint, and then I wouldn't remember the rest of the day. (laughs) (laughs) That can't have tasted good. I didn't taste any of it. I didn't taste any of it. And I, I, I think at, at the time, in the place that I was at mentally, I really didn't care. Nothing, nothing made sense. Nothing, nothing was bright. Nothing was light. Nothing was dark. Nothing was gloomy. Everything was just grey. Yeah, you know, just um, yeah. So it didn't matter to me. I was having a fucking great time. To my friends, I was having a fucking great time. I was sat in a biology lecture answering questions left, right, and center. And uh, they, they were just looking at me like, didn't you just down a fucking pint with whiskey in it? I was like, yeah, I've got my flask too. You know? <laughs> um, it, it was just a great... It, uni was a fantastic time for me, but um, it just uni just wasn't for me. Like, I didn't go to uni study I went to uni to party and when I realized you know what I don't actually want to go into biomedicine I don't want to do biomedical sciences I I have absolutely no fucking interest in this you know um my interest lay in people and relationships and I I don't want to fucking build a relationship with a petri dish you know um and I think that's what a lot of people nowadays are finding they're finding that they've gone to uni and they've wasted their time because when they get out into the real world, uh, they can't really do anything with it. You know, the other day I saw on Twitter, this girl posted a certificate of her law degree mm-hmm. from uh, Liverpool, John Moore, I think. And uh, then she applied for a job at McDonald's and McDonald's rejected her. I think I saw that actually, you retweeted it, didn't you? That's, that's insane, isn't it? Yeah. Like imagine, what? what? You've spent so long at uni and you can't even... Exactly. And, uh, you know, like, it's not it's not anything to do with her. It's the system that's broken. Mm-hmm. The system that's broken that says, uh, uh, you know, we want you to come in and we want you to work for us, but we want you to come in and work for us eternally. Yeah. We don't want you to ever leave this structure. We want you to come in and become a cog in this system and work for us forever, you know? And unfortunately, with a lot of uh, with a lot of companies, they work like that, and it's very difficult to, you know, especially during uh, lockdown, for people who have built careers, for people who have, uh, you know, created these pathways for themselves, that are now going to suffer, you know, because there aren't any jobs going, you know, because the entry-level jobs require 12 years experience you know because no one is willing to teach you how to do the job anymore you know they just want you to come in and be able to do the job and do what they want you to do and that's something that we don't agree with at press creative we want you to come on board and we want to teach you everything that we know and we want to learn everything that you know because no fucking doubt you know stuff that i don't know and i want to learn that and I want to be a better version of myself and I want you to be the best version of yourself. You know, and the only way we can do that is by helping each other. And unfortunately, a lot of these companies, they don't, they don't do that. They don't do that. They want you to come in and they want you to work for their company eternally. If someone comes in 
and says, right, can I have a job at Press Creative? I've got this skill set. And if we can if we can find the space for you in our structure, we will give you that space and let you grow into that space. Then once you're done with your journey with us, it's it's okay. There's no hard feelings, you know? It's about individual and, growth as well as the whole, not just this is the business, you're a cog. Exactly, 100%. I don't want you to come into our business and be a cog that comes to work nine to five and then you want to fucking leave. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to get mad about that. Like, you're, you're coming in because you want to be a better version of yourself. Yeah. And I want you to come in because I want you to be a better version of yourself. And I want you to learn something while you're doing this as well. If I give you a project or a client to handle and I give you a client brief, then you go away and you smash the shit out of this. I am so fucking proud of you. You know, it's more than just a paycheck. Hmm. Don't get me wrong. Money is very important. Money is probably the most important thing. But the bottom line is that you're going to work better and to the best of your ability if you feel appreciated. And we appreciate everyone that has anything to do with any of our projects, you know? And apart from the money that's you know paid out eventually as well but um yeah no it's it's very it's very important no it sounds really good to be fair like you know you know what you you understand the value of the individuals like if the individual improves then the whole improves it's not just like you say it's not just a cog it's not just a right get here do the work then fuck off basically it's come grow yeah. with us and we understand that you're on your own journey as well. So I, re- I really like that, for the record. So, um, yeah, good job with that. Uh, last thing I kind of <laughs> wanted to talk about then is something you mentioned to me the other day. Um, you said you've been kind of dealing with imposter syndrome. Uh, and I've got a definition here of imposter syndrome, just for anybody who doesn't know. Um, basically, it's a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skill, talent, or accomplishments and has an internalised fear of being exposed as a fraud. So my question is, what you know, how have you, you know, how have you experienced this? Why have you experienced this? And if you've overcome it or overcoming it, how are you doing that? Um, well, like I said, the start of this second lockdown has been a struggle, and you know, it's it really started around then where it just dropped off. I dropped off the radar. I just, it, it just became very difficult, you know. Life became difficult, and I started losing some battles that I should have really won. Um, but, you know, I can't beat myself up about that. I just need to understand and recognize the patterns and be able to push forward. And imposter syndrome is one of the patterns that I've recognized that I'm now going to try and battle. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I promise it's not COVID, I hope. Um, yeah, so it's, you, you just feel like what you're doing and your skill set and everything that you've accomplished has just been a stroke of luck and everything that you've done has been a stroke of luck. And then that's when having such a strong support system around you is so important because you have your friends reminding you of the things that you've done. You have your friends reminding you of the battles that you've won. You've had, you have your friends reminding you of your achievements. You know, you did this. It was you that did this particular thing. It was you that sold this particular thing. It was you that broke this particular record. 
you know? And then you start to realize, yeah, it actually was me, but I wouldn't have been able to do it with anyone and all the other pieces falling into place. And that's where the imposter syndrome is the strongest, where you start devaluing your own work and you start devaluing yourself uh, based on your own opinions. You know, you, you, you take opinion over fact. And the fact of the matter is that if you've achieved something, you've achieved it. You know, there's no point, there's no point trying to break this down into uh, other people achieving it. It's no point trying to break this down into different pieces falling together out of luck because luck is what you make of it. You know, luck is, uh, what's that saying? Um, I'm not I'm not a religious person in any way, shape or form, I'm an atheist, but uh, I really like the saying, um, God helps those who help themselves. You know, and you can apply that in every aspect of life, really, you know, like, you need to want to help yourself, you need to do everything in your power to help yourself. And then that's when you start getting lucky. Yeah. That's when things start to seem lucky because someone saw your work or, you know, someone someone heard of you somewhere and it's given you a job opportunity somewhere. It's because of that that you're lucky. It's because of the work that you have done and what your name says about you that makes you lucky. You know, if someone hears your name, how do they feel? Do they feel like, oh, this person has been a positive impact on my life? Let me talk well on their name. Let me wish them well. Or has this person been a negative influence on my life? Let me talk ill on this person. You know, and that's why it's so important to be a nice person and be someone that helps others. Because it's not, it's not just, uh, you know, helping others in order for them to help you. You're doing this as a selfless act. You need to not think about the selfless act that you're uh, doing and do it to the best of your ability and do your job, you know, do your thing, create your brand, uh, market yourself, talk to the right people, network with the right people. And over time, you will start to get lucky. And, you know, it's only the people that aren't directly involved that consider it luck. You know, it's only then that, you know, you have to battle your imposter syndrome to realize, well, actually, no, it's not fucking luck. I remember waking up at 6 a.m. to do this. I remember uh, scheduling everything at this time to do this. I remember talking to these people. I remember sending out emails to newspapers. I remember sending this out. I remember doing this, this, that, and the other. I'm not a fucking imposter. My luck, my, my luck comes from the work that I've carried out and the plans that I've set in motion. So yeah, to an outsider, it might look like, oh, he just got lucky. Yeah. I wish I was as lucky as him. But the fact of the matter is, I put the fucking work in. Mm-hmm. If you put the fucking work in, you'd be as lucky as me as well. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And your, your luck is what you make of it as well. You can be given an opportunity and squander it. And you can be given an opportunity and grow into it and flourish with it. It's completely up to you.
Yeah, related to this, uh, one of my favourite quotes of all time is from Harvey Specter in Soups, where he says, I don't get lucky, I make my own luck. When somebody calls him lucky, and it's like, yes, okay, he is lucky to a degree, but because he worked to make those opportunities for himself. Uh, and I think the way that I'm kind of starting to look at it more is it, if everybody was in your exact position, as in they had all these advantages in your life and disadvantages in your life, would they all achieve the level of success you have? And if the answer is no, then it's taken at least a degree of your work and your intuition and your kind of commitment. So then, you know, you shouldn't then feel like an imposter. You shouldn't then feel like, oh, it's just luck, because it's not. Because not everybody in your position would achieve that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that, uh, it's that sort of affirmation that uh, a lot of people just starting out need to, need to tell themselves, you know, you need that affirmation that yes a lot of people have had this opportunity but I'm the person that's here right now I am the one that's building this I am the one that's working for this company or I am the one that's uh, producing this content you know I am the one that set the plans in motion for my luck for my life to be lucky you know and yeah luck, luck comes on its own Luck, luck comes in time with consistency. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think luck, I think the reason why so many people call it lucky is because with a lot of business owners, I've, I think we've experienced this, but I'm not, not correct if I'm wrong, is you do a lot of work in the beginning and get absolutely fuck all back for it. You know, you could be working fucking tirelessly, intensely and get nothing for it. And then one day, all of a sudden, like you say, it just takes the right person to come to see your work or the right person to recommend you to a friend. And then all of a sudden, it takes off. And it's like, well, that's come out of nowhere. It's like, no, it hasn't come out of nowhere. It's come out of hours and hours and hours and hours of hard work in the background, getting nothing for it for years to now reach one point where it's just exploded. That's kind of the trend I'm noticing. Um, and it sounds like that's what you've experienced. 100%. And... I, I don't know who it is that said this, but they said that overnight successes take years to build. Mm, I've heard that. And that is very true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, and, and the thing for like, you know, people watching this who are starting their own business and maybe not experiencing success, like I'm at that point right now, like my business hasn't by any means exploded and I'm at a point where I'm working a lot and not getting anything for it. And I think it's so important to have the support networks of friends, you know, partners, family around you to basically just say like, okay, fine, maybe you're not re reaching success right now, but look at all that you've achieved, like in six months, in a month, in a year, two years, it's gonna come, like there's gonna be a day where you hit that one thing, you just do that one thing right in the right person, with the right person at the right time, in the right place, and it just absolutely explodes. And then it's just completely flipped, you're getting this level of like initially you're working like this much and getting this level of success and then it just flips and you're you know working this much and getting this level of success um so i think that's just important yeah. to remember and i think as you kind of touched on the friendships the networks are the key to be able, being able to survive that 100 100 and it's it's all about consistency mm -hmm. that's what it comes down to the bottom line is consistency but also to be able to optimize your procedures and be able to optimize your service or whatever it is so a big shout to every single entrepreneur out there um 
just keep consistent, but also uh, realize when you're making mistakes and optimize your work to cover those yeah. failings. Work smart you know? and hard. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Work smart and hard. And first thing you can do, that the first opportunity that you can, delegate. Because you've, you, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you have things in your mind that you need to act on. And once you've created the structure for your business right now, and everything is in place, and you've got the client coming in that can pay you uh, to pay someone else, delegate. Mm -hmm. So you can go and build something else. You can go and build more. Yeah. You can pick up a client and another one and another one. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Don't try and do it all yourself because that's when you will fail yeah, and you'll get burnt out. That makes sense. Um, obviously, I'm not at the point now where I have teams yet anyway, but that is something I want to be doing in the near future. Um, how do you deal with the worry that, so you obviously you're working under the assumption that you've got a client, you can then use the money the client's paying you to then pay somebody to essentially do that work in a simplified kind of way. Yeah. How do you deal with the kind of worry or anxiety that comes with if that client leaves, you then can't pay this person's wage? Why would the client leave? True, but I'm thinking in terms of COVID, for example. That's, that's, right, so COVID is just one of those unprecedented situations. I fucking hate that word, unprecedented. I've heard it way too many times this fucking year. Right, COVID is just one of those situations that you can't really predict. You know, we we would not have been able to predict this at the start of the year. There was no way that we would have been able to think, oh fuck, right, we're about to go into a national lockdown for eleven fucking months of the year. Yeah, nobody could have known. Or, you know, no, no one could have figured that out. But um, what we need to realize as people is that. If you have built your relationship, especially as entrepreneurs, what we need to realize is that if you've built your relationship with your client, your client isn't going to leave you. If you if you deliver on your promises, and to be completely honest, you always need to under-promise and over-deliver. That is one of the most important lessons that I've learned from my mentors. Um, I always used to get a slap on the wrist for over-promising and under-delivering, and very quickly I learned my lesson. Under-promise, over deliver and everyone is happy mm -hmm. you know and uh yeah you just kind of you kind of have to go with that yeah. you know you have to build that trust with your client and understand that right so right now or you can just restructure your your company you know mm -hmm. you hire someone as a freelancer that's what that's what we do in order to be able to cut back costs we hire based on a a freelance project basis so if if we have the project and the work is there for you then this is your freelance work and you can do this uh if we don't have the project and the work isn't there which thank god fingers crossed luckily it hasn't happened to us yet it doesn't happen in the near future uh then we can afford to have you on and we can we can give you the money for it mm -hmm. all right sounds really good you know if we don't then we can't but okay. the bottom line is, you, you can't you can't start off your journey by thinking, oh, what if what if the client leaves? Mm -hmm. Because then that's that fear speaking to you in your head, that 
that fear telling you don't take this leap don't take this leap because you're going to fail mm-hmm. you know it's a risk reward and i'm i'm known for leaping off the edge of a cliff before knowing if there's water underneath or not yeah. um and whether it's good or bad is neither here nor there i've had failings because of it and i've had wild successes because of it um but the fact of the matter is if you don't risk it if you don't take that leap then you don't know it's that leap of faith you know yeah. take that leap if you think if you think that your workload is getting too too much then take that leap and do that thing mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of people that and a problem that i had in the past was that I didn't know how to get new clients. It was a foreign, it was a foreign concept to me. I didn't know how to get clients for uh, marketing, for design, anything else. And uh, I hired people to work with current clients. And when those projects were finished, then I was on my ass. Mm. Fuck! What do I do? Where, where's the next client? Mm. Right. I'm really sorry, mate. I've got to let you go. I, I don't have any work for you right and it just it it falls into this pattern of right you need to have your client lead gen and you need to be able to bring these clients in in order for you to go and hire someone else if you don't have a constant flow of clients coming in and clients going out or clients coming in and giving you more retainer work and more work and more work then that's when you don't need to hire Mm -hmm. you need to focus on learning that skill once you've learned that skill, once you can create yourself this, oh, I hate this fucking word as well, funnel, once you can create a funnel of clients, fuck me, right? Uh, then, uh, you, then you can go and hire because you know that you're going to be getting clients coming in. But until then, until then, do it yourself. Yeah. Do it yourself and figure out your funnel. Figure out your funnel and then once you've got that, then you can go and someone else to come in and help you out mm-hmm. so then you can focus on more uh, more services you can focus on uh, bigger better clients mm-hmm. yeah because you've got that constant flow of work coming in uh, so just That's to it. round off then how did you go from not knowing anything about or very little about client acquisition getting these new clients for marketing to the point where you are now where you're able to have this constant this funnel put in place that you can that you can have a constant flow of clients honestly it it comes down to uh looking at other people's structures and seeing how they work and you would honestly be surprised how much you can learn from someone from a business just by going through their sitemap and seeing what pages they have and what pages are hidden and whatever you know like just go through and have a look and see what these guys are doing you know uh, learn from people that are doing it well and figure it out and I think for me personally it came to just repackaging what I had been doing for years but instead of going direct to consumer uh, I go direct to the business so I go B2B rather than B2C and it was just repackaging the sort of conversations that I would have with you know when I was a promoter at the age of 17 18 on the streets in Birmingham trying to get people to go into clubs right well i just need to repackage that make it more professional and sell it to a company sell it to a corporate company sell it sell it to someone else and put that structure in place where you know again it comes back to this whole fucking funnel where you know you do that cold outreach you 
and you reach out to them and some of them, they have no idea that they have a fucking problem in their business. You have to make them aware of the problem that they have, you know? And then uh, there's others that are aware of the problem and they're looking for a solution. And then there's others that are aware of the solution and they're just looking for someone to fucking do it for you, you know? And you need to be able to put yourself in a mindset where you can target each one of these clients at the various points in their journey and bring them all to one source bring them to yourself you know give them that value and give them a reason to want to come to you you know yeah, yeah. okay that makes sense cheers man um yeah so that, that's it for kind of the questions i've got to ask you is there anything else you want to talk about before we uh sign off start recording uh no just don't do alcohol and drugs kids because <laughs> you back a couple of years yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, right, well, but, in that case... Yeah, all right, right, well, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I just want to wait as on this. I uh, just want to... got a couple more things to just quickly ask. But, yeah, other than that, cheers, man. I appreciate it. Beautiful. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I'll speak to you soon, then. Yeah, yeah, speak soon.